I'm excited. I love to talk about money. And I know some people get, you know, freaked out. Sometimes church people get freaked out. Sometimes pastors get freaked out about money. But I really do believe that God has a lot to say about how we would handle our finances. And so we're in a series called Money Matters. And, and you know, with the idea that there are literally 2,300 verses plus uh, that are talking about uh, money, referencing money in the Bible. I think that God has a lot to say about this, and I, I think money is important to all of us. Somewhere along the way, you need it. Money can be a powerful tool for good things in your life, and, and we all know money can be a tool used for evil as well. I really do believe that if we would follow God's principles, we could master the use of money. Um, and if we are not willing to follow those principles, money can often ruin our life. So I, I, I'm, I'm just convinced that, that money can make your life better, but money can, if you don't know how it works, you can, it can ruin your life. And, and there are, there are spiritual, I think we all recognize even innately that there is a, a spiritual force or a power uh, that is around the concept of, of finances and money and resources in our life. And I believe there are spiritual uh, principles that govern the use of how money would be used, how to, how to get money, uh, hello, um, how to, there's, there's no shortage of money, it's just getting it to you and then getting it through you, of course, right? Uh, but how to get it, how to, how to grow it, uh, you know, how to, how to use it and, and also how to, how to keep it uh, but from ruining your life. So uh, uh, I'm out of, I, I spent a lot of time last week, but I still want to take a few moments today because I, I want us to, to start in a, a, a common place. In other words, I want to start us with this idea that God is a God of abundance. I'm going to try that again. It's 915 service, so I'm sure most of you are kind of awake. But God is a God of abundance. And, and he, he is, God is not trying to get something from you. He is God. <laughs> uh, but he is interested in getting good things to you. And uh, I believe there that the process of, of how God utilizes our thoughts about money uh, is, is important to develop our character but also, I think we just have to start from this place and understand that God has more than enough. God wants me to move into a strong place. God may, wants me to understand this important idea about how to handle finances in my life. And I think we have to start with the concept of God is a God of abundance. So 2 Corinthians 9, 8, we're going to review this just for a moment. God's able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Can I just encourage you? Maybe you feel like you're struggling financially. This would be a good verse of scripture to get into your head and get into your heart and get into your mouth. 
and to personalize this rather than saying, oh, I don't have enough. I think it would be a good time. Anytime that that fearful thing comes on you or that worried or anxious thing comes on you, this would be a great scripture for you just to be able to get going. Because I mean, you know, your words direct your life. Right? God is able to make all grace abound to me. I'm always going to have all sufficiency in everything. I'm going to have an abundance for every good deed. So I think when we start with this idea, start with this understanding, it's, it's a beautiful thing. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to steal to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Everybody say life. And that you might have it abundantly. So I've come to give you a life, an abundant life. Not just a survival kind of life, but a thriving, abundant life. And so we take abundance as a mentality. That's the kind of life Jesus wants us to live. An abundant life frees you up to be a blessing to other people. You're not just living a life that's just concerned about taking care of yourself only. Because that's a small way to live, isn't it? You know, just God, all I want is just enough for me. (laughs) Just help me get by. And that's probably the most selfish way we could possibly live. And I think as long as, until we go abundance as a mentality, abundance as a starting point, I think we would have a tendency to lean into scarcity as a starting point and scarcity as a mentality. And as long as you have a scarcity mentality, you're going to keep perpetuating a world of scarcity for yourself. And then Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundant beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I do think there is a a powerful understanding that God is unlimited, but the release of his ability, the release of his blessing, the release of every good thing he wants to do in our life really is restricted by our thinking and by our asking or our expectation. So I'm believing that God is going to do something in the heart of our church and in the heart of individuals in our church that they would become exceeding, abundant, above and beyond kind of thinkers. In other words, when we give an opportunity for people to get involved, their first thought is not, oh, I can't do that. I can't help those kids. I can't be involved in Endeavor Christmas Offering. I certainly can't give in any way that they would shift their mentality and go, God, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get beyond me, and I'm going to start to think like you are abundant, and that I live in a place of abundance. And that's the mentality. So I'm asking you guys to pray. Uh, our church, uh, every, every year, twice a year, we have an opportunity to bring a big endeavor offering. Endeavor giving is beyond just our tithe with... Uh, giving, which helps us kind of maintain what's going on. Endeavor giving helps us to go 
beyond just, uh, you know, the maintenance of things. And so on December 9th, we, we need resourcing for the Christmas tour. Uh, we need resourcing for all the missions projects that we're involved with. We need resourcing to end the year strong. So I'm encouraging everybody in our church, you're part of our church family, lean into this day, December 9th. We're going to have a great day. Today, I want to focus on a, a passage of Scripture where Jesus is teaching us about how to handle our resources, how things work, and how, how we can actually learn to master money and not be mastered by it. I think Jesus knew some things about money. And I, I, I believe that he saw through uh, a, a lot of the peripheral and the emotional that people get attached to it. And so I want us to look at a passage, Luke 16, uh, verse 10 through 13. This is, these are uh, red letter words, if you have one of those kind of Bibles. And the Bible says this, this is Jesus talking. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Interesting. Three areas of faithfulness that Jesus is calling us to pay attention to in this passage. One is that we would understand the importance of being faithful with small things. Two, that we would understand being faithful with, he calls it worldly wealth, but to be faithful with money. And then three, that we would learn to be faithful with others' things. These three, uh, uh, this passage has been a guiding light for, for me for a long time, and it's really a thing that I would teach anybody that's aspiring to, to live well in life to get a hold of the ideas here. So let me take a couple of minutes and drill down just briefly on some of these ideas. Number one is to be faithful with small things. So Jesus says this, verse 10, Luke 16, 10, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. This is a, this is a, a huge idea to recognize that the way I handle small is going to be a pretty strong determinant for how I will handle big. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. So if, if, you're, if you're messy, 
Probably your car is messy. Your room is messy. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, if you're messy, everything's messy. People who are on time are usually always on time. And people who are uh, not are usually not. And they always have an excuse or reason why they're late. But the truth is, they're usually always late. Somehow, somewhere, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. If you like chocolate chip cookies here, you're going to like chocolate chip cookies if you move to Idaho. And I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that the, the way we handle a small thing really is a determinant on how we're going to handle the big thing. Uh, to understand, I think some people go, I would love to save money if I had more. I think there are people that say, I would love to honor God with my tithe if I had more. But I have this little, I have this little thing right now that doesn't let me save any money or give any money. But the Bible teaches us the way you handle the little thing is the way you will handle the big thing. Because I promise you if, you, if you can't figure out a way to give 10 bucks on $100 and you won a, a mil, $10 million lottery ticket and you said, I'm going to try to watch you write a million dollar check. Especially after the government takes 60% of your 10 million, and you only got 4 million left, and now you got to write a $1 million check. Can you hear what I'm saying? And, And let me just say, a lot of us are stuck and have been stuck for a long time because we're waiting for more to happen. We're waiting for our big day to show up. We're waiting for more money, more opportunity, more. But Jesus said the way you handle a little thing is the way you're going to handle a big thing. And I think we got to keep understanding that the way the kingdom of God works and the way life works is the concept of seed and harvest, seed time and harvest. In other words, a seed is a very little thing. And what you do with the very little thing determines what's going to happen in the future. So if you get a tomato seed, but you never plant it and leave it in the package and hold on to it for fear that no more tomato seeds are coming, then you have predicted your future, no tomatoes. You just have the seed that you held on to. I'm just saying, you know, this is... This is, this is every arena of life. This isn't just finances, but of course Jesus is talking about finances in this passage. But 
whether it's opportunity, whether it's finances, no matter what it is, all big things start in small seed form. All big things, kingdom of God, start small. So you got to be faithful with the little bit that you've got now. Second thing that Jesus tells us we need to be faithful with is we need to be faithful with money. By the way, the title of my message today is Faithful Matters. But verse 11 says this, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? This is a compelling thought to me. The way I handle my money determines whether heaven's true riches get released to me. Because there's something about the connection of my heart to my money that God will look at and say, all right, I'm going to release to you true riches just by watching the way you handle your finances. I think that's what Jesus is saying right here. I know somebody might be thinking, are you saying that we're, you buy? No, let me just, let me help us understand this. True spiritual riches, true spiritual authority, true anointing and help of God, true peace, true joy, true love. In other words, the stuff that really matters in life. Jesus is looking at the way we handle our finances and says, if you can honor me with those finances because you spend those finances where your heart values. The way we handle money shows what we truly value. Our money goes where our heart is. I have a, I have a line item in the budget uh, for myself for golf. Because I love it. Some of you would not spend a dollar. Some, some people, I'll watch a football game on TV, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot more than that. Unless the Saints make it to the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> which looks mighty likely. Somebody praise him. <laughs> hey, I'm just locating my positives. Don't hate on my gratitude. But some people will spend all kinds of money on going to football games. Dressing up like an idiot. <laughs> Some people spend money to watch a car go around an oval track. <laughs> 500 times. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's dumb, but... But if you love it, you love it. Because you love your family, you spend money on them. 
You love your hobby, you spend money on it. What you love, you'll spend your money on. So I think when Jesus is saying, the way you are faithful with your worldly wealth is actually showing what you really value. And if, if we love God's kingdom first, then it will show in the way our money flows. It will show in our budget. The way we handle our, our money, the way we handle our time is exactly showing what we value and what our heart loves. And I think our calendar and our financial register, that's what shows what we really love. So God's order for handling our finances would go something like this. Number one, you give, and that's what tithe is. It's the it's not just 10%, it's the first and best. In other words, God is first. And he gets my first. Before, before anything goes out of, towards anything else, before my car, before my house, before my hobbies, before my clothes, before anything else, I give to God first. And then the second way that God would want us to go, and I'm going to help us understand this, I think, in a little bit, is to save some money. I think ideally we would give 10%, we would save 10%, and then we would spend the rest. But I think the reality for, for many people is exactly the opposite. They, they spend, and then if they have anything left, they'll save something. So at the end of the month, at the end of the week, at the end of the pay period, after they've spent whatever they, they, they don't pay themselves first, they pay everything else first. And that's when they decide, well, I don't have enough to save because I, I don't have enough. Refer back to faithful with small things. And then, then giving comes at the very end. I'd love to give, but I, just, I don't have it. I've spent it all. It's all been spent. And God's order is give, save, spend, the order of most people is spend it all. Oh, gosh, I got nothing left to save. Oh, gosh, I got nothing left to give. And I just, I, let me just be practical if I can. You have to adjust your spending to live within your income. <laughs> I know that's not sensational, but you got to live within the provision of God for this season. So when, when the provision of God for this season is not that great, then you gotta learn to live with that. I think we should always be believing for more. I think we should always be leaning into abundance. But I think we gotta understand the concept of developing margin in our life, financially. I believe in miracles. I believe in the windows of heaven opening over our life. I believe in all that kind of stuff, but I also believe the management day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year is the development of our character. And I think, I, honestly, I think, I think when, we, when, we, when giving happens first, it's born out of a revelation. And just follow me on this thought. If I think... I am the most important person on the planet, well then of course I would spend 
everything that comes into my life on me. But when I recognize that this, my existence on this earth is not just about me, that, that I am on this planet for more than just my survival, then a shift starts to take place. I think we've all heard of uh, a great pastor named Rick Warren, and uh, I saw this the other day. It says, in almost four decades of ministry, Rick and Kay Warren have devoted themselves to giving away as much money as possible. They've truly practiced what they preach. Here's what Rick Warren said. When we got married, we began tithing 10%. Each year, we would raise our tithe 1% to stretch our faith. So 11% after the first year and 12% after the second year, 13% after the third year. Here's what he said. Every time I give, it breaks the grip of materialism in my life. Every time I give, it makes me more like Jesus. Every time I give, my heart grows bigger. So now we give away 90% and we live on 10%. Wow. There's an aspiration. That was actually the easy part. What to do with the money, just give it away. (laughs) Because I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Incredible. I, I, I want to I convince us of the spiritual value of giving and saving. There's some, there, there is this thing, you could almost call it magic, but it's a, the spiritual value of saving money is incredible. Proverbs 21.20 said there's precious treasure in oil, in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squallows it all up. I remember reading a story uh, in my early years as a believer about a, a person who was believing God for the money to take a, uh, some kind of transportation to go out on a ministry trip, and they had no money. And they were standing in line, and they just felt like they should trust God. And, and they waited, 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 till finally they got to the, to the place where they had to buy the ticket. And somebody stepped in at the last minute and bought their ticket for them. And this was given as a kind of this a sign of incredible faith. And I read that story and thought, wow, is, is God running that tight of a margin in people's lives that they don't even have the money to buy a bus ticket. Is our God of abundance, is that really what faith is all about? And I just, I just want to say, money saved attracts more money. If you were going to write anything down, that would be a good one to write down. And you might say, Pastor, there's no way I could save 10% right now. Then save 2%. Save something. Money saved attracts more money. And if, if, you, if you commit to this just for the next year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, you're going to come back to me and hug my neck. Because... If you commit to saving something, it will grow. And all of a sudden, you'll look at that and you'll go, 
oh my gosh, look at this. I heard John Osteen, who is Joel Osteen's uh, dad, say this years ago, money comes off the top of the barrel a whole lot better than it comes off the bottom of the barrel. And I think there are a lot of people who are living, scraping off the bottom of the barrel. It's not God's will. It's not God's best. It's not what he intends for us to do. Don't think that that's some elevated form of faith. In actuality, the real faith would be honor God, first out, save something, and trust God, and then spend the rest. All right, third idea of being faithful is this. Number three is that we're faithful with others' things. Jesus said, if you're not faithful with others' things, then who's going to give you things of your own? And in the context of this passage, I think we could look at it this way. The way we view the stewardship of everything that's in our life is going to determine what could actually come into our life. To recognize it all comes from God. It all belongs to God. I am a steward of it all, and God, God's way for me to say I recognize that is to honor him with the first part of it, to show him I really believe it all comes from you. You're a good God, a God of abundance, a God of blessing, and you want to pour great things into my world, but it all comes from you. If your hand of blessing is on my life and my world, my life and my world is going to be so much better. But if your hand is off, I'm in trouble. I'm convinced God is a God of abundance. No shortage. What would happen if every person in our church could buy these ideas that Jesus has just taught us. What could we do for God? What could God do through us? And I love this last verse of this passage. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. You're going to hate one, you're going to love the other. You're going to be devoted to one. You're going to despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to or be mastered by money. And, and where I'm coming from today is to say you can master the money issue. Jesus is teaching us here money can Money has the spiritual power to become a God in our life. But if you and I could get ourselves thinking about this the way God does, and can I just say, honoring God with this, loving God, putting God first is not an emotion. 
It shows up in my action. It shows up in my obedience. I think even if God did not promise to bless, I would still want to obey the Lord in this one. But, if I say but, he has promised to bless. So I want to pray for you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, as we come to this uh, so important topic, thank you for giving us clarity and instruction about how to flourish in this area of our life. I'm praying right now, Lord, for that person who may even feel overwhelmed or uh, feel like, I don't even know how we get to what we've been talking about today. Father, may a spirit of faith arise within each one of us concerning your heart toward us and toward our finances. Would you strengthen our hearts, Lord, and help us learn to walk in the beautiful, abundant ways of God. Hey, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just to take a moment to pray. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I know you're talking about finances today, but way beyond that. I don't know that I have the peace of God in my life. I don't know that I feel the love of God in my world. I don't know that I'm truly experienced what forgiveness is all about. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and the truth is you used to be close to God and you know that there was a day when you were so much closer in your relationship with him than you are today. But you know in your heart of hearts it's time for you to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure. You don't feel confident about where you stand with God. The most important moment in this meeting is happening right now for someone. It's your moment to decide. Not to decide that you're going to have your act together, but to decide to surrender to the love of God, to the help of God, and put your life in His hands. So nobody looking around, but I just want to respect your dignity in this moment of decision. But you say, Pastor, I, I want to surrender to Jesus, or I need to come back to Him. I want to be sure I'm right with him. If, if any of that calls out to your heart, you need to say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. That's me. I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back. I want to be sure I'm right. I need the peace of God in my life. God bless you. I, I need the help of heaven in my world. God bless you. I want to feel confident I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? Come on, anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, let's all pray this prayer together. This is for everyone who lifted their hand. But let's all pray this prayer together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, <laughs> so I come to the cross 
where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start, for a new beginning today. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.